Good morning. Great to uh, see you this morning. Merry Christmas. That's awesome. We got three back. That's better than two. It's good to see you. We are in week two of our series called Light of the World. And so this last week I got uh, thinking about that Jesus being the light uh, of the world. And I thought it would make sense then uh, that we would make room for him in our lives, which is in uh, our passage uh, this morning. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and take them out. Turn to Luke chapter 2. We'll be looking at... Uh, verses 1 through 7 and, and kind of focusing in on uh, this idea of making room uh, for uh, Jesus. And, and yet, we don't always uh, do that, do we? we? We don't always make room uh, for Him. A few weeks ago, I called uh, my allergy clinic. I'm trying to see a new allergist. And uh, I knew it might take a while to, to get in. And so I called like the first week of November. And uh, I, like I said, I knew that that might take a while. And so the scheduling person said, uh, your appointment is January 5th. And I said, um, like, can I get an appointment like in December maybe? Like a month and a half? She's like, no, there's no room in the month of December in the doctor's schedule. And so you got to go on January 5th. I said, thank you very much. I'll take that. (laughs) And so this morning, we're going to look at Luke chapter 2. And I'm going to go ahead and just read those seven verses for us this morning. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And they were there, and the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him uh, in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And so go ahead and take your note sheets out of your program this morning, and I want you to just jot down Uh, In your notes, no place or no room. There was no room for them. There were no guest rooms uh, available. And so what happened is is that Joseph goes around uh, to his relatives and finds out that there's no room, probably because of the census that was being taken. So this is not like a hotel, right? That's not the way it worked. You would go into a town when you were traveling and you would find your relatives there and you would go house to house and try to find a place to stay. And because the census was being taken, there was nowhere for them to go. And so Jesus ends up being born, right, in the place where all these 
animals were, and, and he was laid in a manger. And so what's a manger? The Greek word there actually is used to refer to a, a stall that cattle are in, or it can refer to a feeding trough that cattle used, which was usually made of like wood or stone. And so either way, like Jesus is born in this environment. Like not a palace, not not born in a hotel or even in, in a house, right? He's born in this like stable barn kind of area with a bunch of animals. Now, so think about it for a moment with me this morning. This is the eternal God. This is the Son of God, the promised Messiah. And this event had been anticipated for hundreds of years. And there have been all kinds of predictions and prophecies in advance. Notice that one day, God's going to send the Messiah. God's going to come down to earth in human form. He's going to die for our sins. He's not, not only the light of the world, but he's the savior of the world. And yet, when God does show up and he sends the Messiah, there's no room for him. There's no place for him. And I got to thinking about this this last week, and I thought, wow, these people missed like a really cool business opportunity here. Right? I mean, just imagine if Jesus was born at your house. You can get one of those big lighted neon signs in the front yard that says, Son of God, born here. Reader board out front, stay in the Jesus suite, $99.99. Right? Breakfast included? I think they missed the boat. It's probably why God didn't do it that way. Right? So, Jesus, the Savior of the world, born in this place, this, this place where the animals were because there was no room for him. Now, now, before we get too harsh on all of these people, I think we do that all the time, don't we? Our, our culture does it, right? We don't make room for Jesus. In fact, a lot of times we just push him out of the way. Now, not this time of year, of course, but, but what about like January through October? In, in the 60s, the courts decided that Jesus would be banned from the classroom and prayer was outlawed. So there's no room in the classroom And then systematically over the last 50 plus years, we have been taking Jesus out of each of the rooms of our culture, out of the courtroom, out of the workroom, out of the newsroom. And what's going on is we are not making room for Jesus. Well, like we can say, if you go to uh, any department store, you can say season greetings or happy holidays, but we can't say what? Merry Christmas. Or at least they can't. All right, I don't want to talk about culture. What I really want to talk about is why that I don't make room for Jesus in my life. Why that's such a struggle. And so we're going to ask three questions this morning. Why do we have no room for Jesus? Why should we make room for Jesus? And then how do we make room for Jesus? That's where we're heading. So, so number one, why 
do we have no room for Jesus? Well, I think there are three reasons. The first reason is, is that we don't pay attention. At times, we're not even aware when Jesus shows up around us. We aren't in the know when God is there. And get this, he's around us, what? All the time. Yet God shows up in opportunities that, that you didn't know you were even going to get yourself into, like problems where, that, that you're going to have that he allowed so you could grow. Or in words that other people say to you, and Jesus shows up in our lives all the time, but, but we just don't see him sometimes. It's like, it's like dark matter. Do you know dark matter does not emit light or energy, and yet it can be observed by calculating the motion of the planets, and 80% of matter in the universe is made up of dark matter. 80% of the universe is made up of stuff we can't see. And so much of the time, I think Jesus is kind of like that in our lives. Most of us don't make the time to calculate the motion of the planets. We don't take time to what? Read the word, pray, able to see Jesus clearly. It's a common problem. It happened in the Bible times as well. Jesus would show up and they wouldn't realize who he was, right? One time, guys are walking down the street on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus starts walking with them. Luke 24, 16 puts it this way, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him, right? They didn't even realize it was Jesus. Another time he's sitting by the well, and a woman comes to get water. He asks her for a drink, and she doesn't recognize him. She, she doesn't know she's talking to the Son of God. She even gets into a religious debate. That's a good one. Then Jesus says this, if you only knew. In John four ten, the gift. God has for you and who you're speaking to. You would ask me and I would give you living water. She doesn't notice, pay attention. And oftentimes Jesus shows up in our lives and we do the same things. We're unaware of it. I mean, just look around at, at, at people this time of year. More than any other month, the name of Jesus is like everywhere, right? It's hard to miss. There are nativity scenes all over the place. Christmas specials on TV. Christmas music in the mall and at the office and the doctor's office and the dentist. Everywhere we go, it's on. And I bet if you were to go to the mall, the grocery store, you would hear in the background... Music playing with words like, born today is the king of kings. Oh, come all ye faithful. Come let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Hark the herald, angels sing. And people would be in their own little world, walking around frantically in the mall, trying to get their stuff done, pushing shopping carts, totally what? Oblivious. So as we think about our story this morning, Joseph and Mary go to Bethlehem. And because of the census, all the places are taken. There was no vacancy. Other guests had occupied the spaces. There was no room for them. And sometimes that's true in our hearts. What happens is we fill our lives with other things and we invite other guests in and we rent out our hearts to other things and there's just no space left. Which leads me to the second reason why we don't make room for Jesus. First, we don't pay attention. And second, we crowd our lives with other things. And there's just no room left for God. And they may even be good things, but there's just 
in the way of God being in our lives. Have you noticed that? Here, here's a profound truth. Stuff accumulates. I don't know if you've noticed, like in my garage, I don't know what happens, but it like multiplies. I look around, I can't believe how much stuff is in there. All right, a little Christmas confession this morning. How many people can't get your car in your garage? I can only get one in mine at the moment. Purpose of the garage is to hold cars, not stuff, right? Guess what? Purpose of your heart was made for God. It was not made to have a bunch of extra junk in it. And then if we don't have any room or any time or any thought for God, and our, our hearts are not available, there is no space. We overbook our lives. And that might not be so bad except for the results are tragic. Why? Because when your life is filled with other things, you don't have room for the gifts that God wants to give to you. Do you know that God wants to give you some gifts? The Bible says every good gift comes from God. Before you were born, God planned gifts to give to you. Relational gifts, emotional gifts, spiritual gifts, career gifts. The list goes on and on. God made you for a purpose. But the thing is, is that you can miss it. 1 Corinthians 2.14, but people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds like foolishness to them. They can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. And my point is, is that sometimes we act like that guy. Right? The natural man who doesn't want the things of God because he regards them as foolishness. Sometimes we act like the natural man refusing to spiritually discern things. And when our only concern is for what works of the bottom line, we're not spiritually discerning. We're thinking like the natural man. Even though we might be saved, what sometimes causes all of that is an overcrowded life. We, We overbook ourselves. We overspend our budgets. We overestimate our strength as we walk around tired. And we've overbooked our hearts. And Jesus said in Mark 4, verse 19, but the worries of this life, the temptation of wealth, and many other evil desires keep the teaching from growing and producing fruit uh, in their lives. And the thing is, is when we allow all this other stuff in our lives, we become unfruitful, and the word is what? Choked out. And by the way, the reason why some people can go to church their entire life and it doesn't change them is because of the crowded heart syndrome. Right? You can come and hear a kernel of truth and this little seed of wisdom is planted in your heart and you think, yep, I need to do that. But then you go home and what happens? Immediately you get distracted by all the things that you have to do and you forget about it and the seed is chugged and it never grows into producing fruit. And it... Sometimes it isn't even evil things, right? You can fill your life with really good things and still not have any time for God, right? You can go to church all the time, serve all the time, get so busy you have no time for God in your personal space. No time for God to work in you. That's why the Bible says what? Be still and know that I am God. Translation, relax, right? Stop trying to do so much and let God do more in you. 
And you know the classical biblical example of this, right? Mary and Martha, sister. Jesus comes for dinner. Mary figures out what's important. Right? The Son of God is coming to our house. So she sits at the feet of Jesus, starts listening. Martha, on the other hand, gets busy worrying about the hors d'oeuvres and all the other stuff that has to be just right. We pick up the story in Luke 10, 39. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. Kind of sounds like Christmas, doesn't it? We spend all month, right? We, we get everything ready. Do we have time for Jesus? Sometimes we get so busy with preparations, we don't have time for him. She she came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work to tell her to come and help me? But the Lord said to her, Dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. What did Mary discover? She discovered... That getting to know the Son of God, getting to know Jesus was better than anything else. Getting to know Jesus will last for all eternity. All this other stuff's not going to last. Right? Hobbies, all that stuff. The only thing that will last is our relationship with God. That's why we're here, right? Not just to take up air, space, retire, and die. No, we're here to get to know the creator of the universe. To know him, to love him the way that he knows and loves you. And that will last forever. As your pastor this Christmas, if I could give you any gift, it would be to figure out the one thing that's most important. Getting to know Christ and building a relationship with him. You know what I've discovered? I've discovered that you can do a lot of good things and still not have room for Jesus in your life. In fact, Satan, if he can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. He really doesn't care what distracts you as long as that that we're distracted. Deuteronomy 8.14, don't become proud at the time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. And the encouragement here is to pay attention to God. And to what he says. Listen to, to know what he says is true. And when everything is fine and our lives are filled with abundance, it's not hard to, to have our hearts lifted up. Except for we can easily forget the Lord. The third reason that we don't make room is because we really don't think we need to make room. Right? We have this sense of self-sufficiency that says, I, I, I'm fine on my own. And I'm like, really? You are? And you may be living a good life, right? But but I'm here to tell you there's a better life. There's a life that's in sync with our Heavenly Father. It's like when I was little, my parents took me to McDonald's. I love McDonald's. It's great. But but you know what? I then grew up. I moved to Southern California, and I discovered In-N-Out Burger. Right? Went from the good life to the better life right there. <laughs> Guess what? We can live life on our own 
and it might be good, but if you have a life connected to God, plugged in, it's way better. It's what they did in Bethlehem. Right? We don't think we can make room for him. Sorry, can't stay with us. House is full. And I think that same is true for us today, right? My life, the rooms of my heart are full. Really, there's an arrogance about that. There's a self-satisfaction that doesn't realize what we're missing. Psalms 10.4, the wicked people are too proud. They do not look for God. There's no room for God in their thoughts. I think sometimes we do that. We really don't think we need God in our lives. I'm doing just fine. Thank you very much. So, so God, you created me. You made me. Jesus was born so, so he could die for us. But, but God, you know what? You stay on your side of the fence. I'll stay on mine. Right? That's how we think. Problem is, we can miss the very purpose of our lives. We were not made to be disconnected from God. We're made to be plugged in. We, we learn from our series in Psalms 23 that, that we're like sheep, right? We tend to wander. Sometimes we get lost. And when that happens, we have no direction in life. And we tend to drift and we tend to go our own way. That, that, that's the bad news. But the good news is if we make room for Jesus, then there's an amazing amount of benefits that take place. Which brings us to point number two. Why should we make room for Jesus? Well, let me give you two reasons today. I, I can give you a lot more. I'm going to stick to two. They're very simple, but I think very profound. The, the first reason is because I want to know my Creator and my Savior. Right? He, he made us to save us, uh, and, and we need to know that. Like, like if I said to you, come, come over here. I want to introduce you to like Bill Gates, right? Really not that big of a deal. Or, or if I said... Come over here, I'm going to introduce you to this famous person or that famous person. Again, really no big deal. But if I said to you, let me introduce you to God, the, the one who made you and has a purpose for your life, I would hope, I would think you would be interested in that because Jesus is our creator. Look at what John said in the first four verses of chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God, and He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. And in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Right? The light shines in the darkness. And it helps us see in the dark when we can't see any other way. So I definitely want to make room in my life for Jesus because he has made me. You know, like they say, when in doubt, consult the owner's manual or read the directions. Well, you know what? That's the Bible. And the Bible says that the reason Jesus came at Christmas time is to save us from our sins. Most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The Bible also says in John 1, verses 11 and 12, he came to his own, and to his own people did not receive him, but all who did receive him believed in his name. He gave the right to become the children of God. We become a part of the family of God. 
All right, the second reason I want to open my heart to Jesus is to enjoy a life of purpose, peace, and power. When we invite Christ into our lives, we experience purpose, peace, and power. You know, I've been walking with the Lord now for over 40 years, and I can tell you that that is true, right? Because I have lived it. And part of living out our purpose, we see in 1 Timothy 6.12, is to fight the good fight of faith, to take hold of the eternal life to which you have were called and about which you have made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And, and you know what that means? It means going God's way against the flow of the world, and it's not going to be easy. And so Timothy, Paul's telling Timothy, man, you've got to have determination. But, but God calls us to be fighters. But, but to fight the good fight of the faith, right? A, a fight where we lose some battles here and there, but we carry on and we fight with great determination until the war is over. And, and the war is over and when we enter into eternal life. That's how significant our lives are. And God cared enough to come to earth at Christmas, live a perfect life, die on a cross for our sins. And not only does he give us a sense of purpose, but we also have a sense of peace. Right? John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives uh, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And what kind of, the, of peace does the world give? It gives temporary peace. Did you know we have over 250 peace treaties signed in this country? Most of them not kept. Right, that, that, That's the peace from the world. It's totally circumstantial. Right, I have a good job. I'm at peace. I lose my job. I'm not at peace. This president wins. I'm at peace. This president loses. I'm not at peace. Right, circumstantial. Jesus says, that's not the kind of peace I give you. I give you the kind of peace the Bible calls a peace that passes all understanding. Well, what does that mean? It means to have peace when there's no reason visibly or physically why you should be at peace. Everything around you might be in chaos. Nothing's working in your life. And for some unexplainable reason, you're at peace. That's the peace that passes all our understanding. And it only comes from God. And Jesus says, I'm going to give you that so you won't be troubled or afraid. It's another Christmas gift I'd love to give to you. The gift of taking all of your worries and your fears out of your life. And God doesn't want you to live with fear. 2 Timothy 1, 7, God did not give us a spirit that makes us afraid, but a spirit of power and of love and self-control. And those three things you're going to need to be plugged into the power so you're not running on your own energy. Right? You're going to need the spirit of love which eliminates fear, and you're going to need the spirit of self-control. And it's interesting to me, the more I give my life to God and I make room for him, the more control I have. And why do we need love? Well, there are a lot of reasons, but one of them is the first part of 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. And where can we get perfect love? Not, not, not from me, not from you. None of us love perfectly. Jesus, God, is the only place we can experience perfect love. Why? Because God is love. And the only reason we can love other people is because we're made in God's image. All right, so how can we make room for Jesus? Number three, this morning you respond to the gospel. 
1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, For I delivered you as of first important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. And then he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. So, so as Paul describes the gospel in these verses, it's important to notice that this gospel is not insightful teaching. It's not good advice. At the core of the gospel are things that happen, actual, real, historical events. And, and the gospel isn't a matter of opinions or fairy tales or anything of the sort. It's about real historical events. And it is for that reason that we take the gospel seriously because it can change our life. And what should our response be? Well, first we believe, Acts 16.31, and they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And the idea of the word believe here is to trust in, to rely on, to cling to. And specifically the command is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we receive John 1, 12, we've already looked at the verse, but all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And then lastly, we repent. Acts three nineteen. repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. And repentance isn't about being sorry, but it describes the act of turning around. We've done wrong, but you can turn around and get it right with God. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, thank you for uh, your word today. And maybe you're here this morning and you, you just want to pray a prayer of repentance today. You can follow along with me if you want. Dear God, I admit that I haven't paid attention to you all my life. And I'm sure that you've been around and I haven't even been aware of it. God, this morning I want to admit to you that at times I've crowded my life with so many other things that I've had no space for you. So I ask you to forgive me for the times that I've been so full of myself that I've just forgotten you. But this morning, at Christmas time, I want to make room for you. I want to get to know you as my creator. I want to get to know you as my savior in a more meaningful way. Because God, I want to see you more clearly than I ever have before. So Father, I ask you to come in to my heart and to my life today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.